And we are live. Hey everybody, my name is Aiden Mattis. This is Thorn Bussy. Welcome back to the Lore Lodge. I hope y'all can hear us perfectly fine. If not, let me know and I will adjust the audio. We were supposed to have a boom and I forgot to set it up. But it's fine. It wasn't forgot. Let's be. Let's give the man some credit. It wasn't forgot. We just had to go through a video that required 23 pages of notes for him to get through and roughly an hour of recording time. Yeah, this. You guys are getting an extra long video on Friday. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, the problem now is that since I am going to be in grad school starting God, next week, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a lot more time to research on my hands, which unfortunately also means the videos are going to be a lot more in-depth and way longer. So, pray for Thornbussy. Yeah, I will also be uh, moving at the end of this week, if all goes well. So, uh, it just never stops. It never stops in the Lore Lodge. Thankfully, uh, I live in an apartment complex that he's about to be moving into, so. So, we might actually be able to, like, get ahead on content a little bit. Oh, God, wouldn't it be nice? Imagine us being able to do the thing we've been trying to do for over a year now. But, oh, boy, we're, we're doing good now. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited to jump into this one because I have spent a lot of time wondering, after the Conjuring movies came out, mm -hmm. to what extent they actually are representative of the, the Warren family hauntings mm -hmm. and the Warren family themselves. And it required a pretty solid amount of research and, and time for me to come to the conclusion that uh, I don't totally trust the Warrens. And why is that? The Annabelle story. Their Annabelle story, and I haven't read through their, their Amityville horror or any of that, and we're going to be going through some of those stories tonight as well, uh, at least in terms of the way that they appear in the movies. In the Annabelle version of events from Ed and Lorraine Warren, there are some serious problems with the demonology. They say certain... What are you licking? He's licking the laptop. Why are you licking the laptop? There's probably some soy sauce yeah, left probably. on this film. Anyway. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get through the whole story, but suffice to say, at the end of the day, it didn't really make a ton of sense as Ed explained it. Or it could be that whoever is upkeeping their website didn't do a very good job explaining it, especially since everything is written in third person, so it makes me wonder. Mm. But we're going to go through all of it, we're going to tell a story, we're going to explain it, and you guys come to your own conclusions, because at the end of the day, that's what really matters here, is spreading the knowledge. Knowledge? Archie, are you going to stay there, or are you going to... Okay. He's going to go, yeah. He's, uh, should I stay, or should I go now? But, Aiden, tell me what you know about the Annabelle haunting. Everything from the video that I was here for recording and editing. Okay, do you remember any of it? Yeah, this generally... Well, do you want me to give the overview, or...? I want, I want you to give me yours, because yours is probably what people generally... Fair know. enough. Uh, so, at least based off of what I was able to retain from editing, um, essentially it was a doll that the one woman... I can't remember, what was her name? Linda or something? Or uh, Lisa or whatever it was? Donna. Donna, there we go. I knew it was an A at the end of it. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Um, Speaking of Donna, no, I'm kidding. Oh, stop. 
Buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Uh, please keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. Thank you. Anyway, sorry. Um... That was, that was, that, we had a day filming on Saturday in relation to Donna, so we're not going to get into it. Anyway, um, yeah, so Donna had a doll, and it, I can't remember the exact process of it, but it supposedly got possessed, and a lot of weird things happen, and now it's in a museum that causes weird things. Yes, that is the gist. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just scrolling back through yeah, my notes. That's the elevator pitch. Yeah. And that is largely correct. That is the story. Uh, if you watch the movie, however, you get a much different depiction of events. The movie Annabelle starts off, and yeah, spoiler alerts here, uh, the movie Annabelle starts off with the Warrens speaking to Donna and her roommates. For whatever reason, they change her name to, like, Deirdre or something, or Debbie, and mm. uh, the roommate's name gets changed from Angie to Camilla. And they changed the boyfriend's name as well. I don't really know why they made those decisions. At the end of the day, um, they change Annabelle's origin story considerably, mm. as well as the appearance. If you watch the Annabelle movies, it is a porcelain doll. Mm-hmm. So it's a much older style of doll. Yep. And a very ornate one. Mm-hmm. And also just extraordinarily creepy looking. Oh, yeah. Like, that doll is terrifying to look at. We might pull it up somewhere in the, uh, in the video. Um, but... The real Annabelle doll is a Raggedy Ann. Yep. It's not, it's not really all that scary. It's not a big deal. Um, and the most unsettling thing about it is where it is seated. I mean, just, you see, it's only scary because it's sitting in a box that says, like, under no, like, under no circumstances, like... Absolutely, it was like, absolutely do not touch yeah, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Positively do not open or something yeah. like that. Um, the things we wish were labeled on Pandora's box, but nonetheless. Yeah. But... They take the doll back several more years so that it is actually involved in some cult activity. We know that it happens after the Manson killings Mm. because that's on the TV. So it's about the right time period, but still not... It seems like they move the doll's presence in in Donna's household Mm -hmm. later in time. And even the fashion kind of suggests that. But the original owners of the doll, the way it works is that uh, they come into this doll and it immediately starts wreaking havoc around the house and trying to, you know, kill the baby and Mm. take a soul and all of that. And that's how the doll gets haunted in the first place because all these horrible events happen with it. And then it goes into Donna's possession. That's not the story. The Annabelle doll was purchased new, almost certainly. Because the specific model of Raggedy Ann doll that it was that that is the Annabelle doll mm-hmm. did not hit the market until 1970. Interesting. Okay. So the haunting happened in 1970. Yeah. Which means that the doll cannot have been possessed beforehand. Yeah. So the very first thing that happens, this doll comes into Donna's possession because her mother, since again it's just a Raggedy Ann doll, mm-hmm. it's not actually this creepy porcelain doll they show you. Yeah. Donna's mother buys it as a gift for her 28th birthday, mm. which is fine. It's just a doll, you know? Yeah. Um, and at first, nothing serious really happens other than they start to notice that doll is not in the room where they left it. They will leave the doll on the living room couch. Donna will come home from her shift, and the doll will be in the bedroom with the door closed. And remind me, who were all of the members of that family? They're, it's Donna and Angie, and Angie's boyfriend, Lou, gets involved. In, okay. Because he's how old there. is Angie? Twenty eight. Okay. They're they're both late twenties. So and like Lou as well. Very much adults. Yeah. They're these are adults. Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the reason that Donna got the doll? Her mom bought it for her for her birthday. Okay. Just a birthday present. 
you know, got it. Maybe she decided maybe at a younger age she had wanted it at all and didn't got it. get it. So, How old was Donna? Twenty eight. Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, so she she was turned twenty eight. She got the doll for that birthday. Got it. Totally innocuous. Yeah. There's nothing weird about it. Especially probably given that it's the seventies. Yeah, it was probably even a joke gift. Might have been. But at first, the doll is not doing anything except moving around the house. Hmm. The activity begins begins to get weirder. Mm-hmm. I, but they decide they're going to call in a psychic. And it's kind of hard to determine, based on the story that's given, mm-hmm. what the actual course of events was. Because what we do know is that the period from the doll arriving to the Warrens becoming involved is about a year. Okay. That's it. Um, somewhere along the line, it seems like probably after the doll was just moving around, and then after this nightmare that Lou has, where he has sleep paralysis and he sees the doll climbing up his leg. Yep, I do remember this. Um, so that seems to be the point at which they called a psychic. Where were they living? Just an apartment in Connecticut. So it was an apartment, it wasn't a house? It was an apartment building. Okay, because yes. I was wondering if like maybe it was like the location that might have initiated it? Or... We're getting there. Okay, yeah, exciting. So, they call a psychic. Because Lou has just had this terrifying sleep paralysis experience where a doll was climbing up his leg and trying to suffocate him. And according to him, he actually was awake and the doll suffocated him until he blacked out. And at this point, he's like, we need to get rid of that doll. I'm not coming here if the doll's still here. Get rid of the doll. Yeah. Donna sees that the doll is, it's nostalgic. It was a gift from her mom. She doesn't want to insult her mom. So she hangs on to the doll. They call a psychic. The psychic comes, and uh, this is why the very, very first thing you should do if you think that there is a possessed doll in your house is call a priest or a rabbi or a shaman, anyone but a psychic you found on Craigslist. Uh, so, but no, they call they call the psychic, and the psychic comes, and it communicates with the doll, mm-hmm. and what it receives is that this was the ghost of Annabelle Higgins mm-hmm. that has possessed this doll. And Annabelle really is just a sad, scared young girl. She was seven year old seven years old when she died. She died on the property before it was before the house was there, when it was just an open lot mm-hmm. for the, the apartment. So she died in a field. Her body was discovered lifeless. There's no real information here. Mm-hmm. All we know is that that is what the psychic is told. Yep. And at this point, I want to discuss demonology. And ghosts. Because typically, a ghost doesn't lie. A ghost is not sentient. It is a shadow, a fragment. It is a spirit. It's something that, you know, is basically going through a loop. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if you watch, for example, Supernatural, this is how they deal with ghosts as well. Yep. Ghosts are basically attached to an object, a location, something inanimate. Yep. And they will continue to loop over and over and over again until they are put to rest. What? Donation goal, have a Craigslist psychic on the show. That sounds like a great way for the world to end actually. in flames. Um, I mean, if somebody's going to bring up donation goals, we can take a pause here. True. We do have new goals. We finally are, like, getting on top of things. And we will be we will be shooting the old goals as well. Yes. Now that we finally can. But for September, from now, we'll start now, yep. until the end of September, the last show of September, and we're not counting Weird Bible towards this... <laughs> No, no, that would, that would be unfair. <laughs> that would we would need to up these considerably because yes. Wendigoon brings an audience. Yep, um, as he does, as he should. Two hundred and fifty dollars for the month of September, beginning now, the end of August. Um, we will do a Halloween themed cocktail stream, which means that I will again design three cocktails, and then we will make all three of them, discuss what they're made with, 
show you how they are, and then drink them, mm -hmm. um, which always leads to a lively late stream. Yes. Um, the early stream is nice and dignified. The late stream will not be great. We'll Correct. probably bring Jules back for that since she loved that one. Yep. May, um, may want to switch to the second part of that stream to Twitch. Yeah, true. Uh, can I say the 500 one? Sure. The $500 donation goal uh, for September is a uh, blue snow shovel self-defense demo video. Yes. So... Just it, it, this will be taken so serious. Oh, extremely serious! Like you, you know those like really cheesy like '80s or '90s like VH. Oh, we could like throw a VHS filter on oh, it stuff oh, yeah. there. Oh, this is gonna be great. We'll do it outside on the lawn like they like all of those instructional videos did. Uh, but it's just gonna be you know because we all know that the most efficient way to fight a win, uh, Wendigo is with a blue snow shovel. Mm -hmm. So, but we're gonna show you the proper strategies and tactics and to fight. A Wendigo with a blue snow shovel. Exactly. What the prime type of blue snow shovel is to get. We'll even go uh, shopping for it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We will ask the Home Depot people what the best blue snow shovel to fight a Wendigo with is, and I'm not kidding about that. I cannot wait to be holding the camera as we walk in. Uh, before we get to say anything, they'll be like, you guys can't do that here. I'm going to be wearing a tactical vest. <laughs> not even kidding. And it will have magazines. It <laughs> oh, God. I should get a Lore Lodge patch for it. Um, We're not going to get kicked out. We're going to get arrested. Possibly. Oh, um, anything for content. Yeah. <laughs> no, guys, we're not an extremist militia group. We're trying to get the Windusi. Um, <laughs> uh, As you do. How'd you end up on the FBI watch list? Uh, speaking of Wendigos, for the $750 goal, we will write, record, perform, and release a skit where we put the Wendigo on trial for its many crimes. Oh, yes. Um, this will most likely involve me in a lot of eyeliner. I... <laughs> And possibly a My Cousin Vinny style uh, shoot. but And for $1,000, we figured, since you guys never actually hit this one, um, we would give you an incentive to do so, which is Aiden and I will take a trip to Spirit Halloween, and we will each purchase six costumes. Whoa. Well, should we cheap. have, like, they're cheap I was going to say, should we have a budget? Yeah, there will be a bunch of, like, like, 100 bucks together. for the costumes. Um, but we will buy six costumes each, and... And shoot a Halloween costume-themed sexy calendar for you guys. Oh, it's going to be great. Which will then probably be available somewhere online for purchase. Yep. Uh, we're going to probably start hitting the gym a lot more right now, just in oh, case. Because there are, are 22,000 more of you than there were last time we did one of those goals. But... Back to the uh, content at hand. Real quick, do we want to hit that super chat since it's there? Oh, your boy for $5 says, Thornbussy and Matussi, demon versus Wendigo. Thoughts? Well, the Wendigo arguably is a demon, depending on your uh, your folklore that you're going with. In yeah. certain versions of it, it is actually a demonic entity that infests, a per that possesses a person. And, uh, you know, just considering we're on that topic, is that going to be covered in the new updated version of the Wendigo yes. video? We will be talking about the various versions of the Wendigo. Um, as well as telling some actual stories from Ojibwa folklore that I was able to find. Previously, I've been going based off of Basil H. Johnston. Mm. Now I'm actually going to be using the uh, Canadian Royal Archaeological Society uh -huh. as well, because they have some other stories. If you do want to read any of Basil H. Johnston's works, I have them on the Amazon shop, which is amazon.com slash shop slash Aiden Mattis. You can go and find some works in there from him, as well as some other uh, native authors. So if you want to buy those, those are all conveniently in a reading list for you. 
And, um, yeah, but as far as Demon versus Wendigo, it seems that the, a lot of the versions of the Wendigo do pay, do portray it as a demon. Mm. Um, and something that possesses you and p- perhaps physically transforms you. Mm. And in a lot of these stories with exorcisms, they do involve the body taking extraordinarily unnatural shapes and forms and the person surviving. Yeah. So it seems like demons in both traditions can cause physical altercations that don't necessarily kill you. Um, and to just address Tanuki's, uh, by the way, if you become a member of the channel, you get a free super chat every month. Yes. Um, don't worry. I have Mattis to protect me. So I'll yes. be fine. But, uh, if that Wendigo does anything to my thorn bussy, there will be nothing left of it. I appreciate that. I got him for that reason. We're all Yeah. Good. I, uh, I'm going to, and the blue snow shovel. See, I'm, I'm going to have to like, once, once I buy a house, I'm going to have to have a closet that's just full of blue snow shovel. <laughs> Yeah. Just in case of emergency. Like, oh you break God. the glass, it opens the handle, it's just blue snow shovels. You know how really eccentric people will have, like, paintings of, like, very specific either elements of history or, like, really just, like, weird uh, Renaissance art and whatnot? Mm-hmm. You're just going to have one that's a Renaissance-style painting of a single blue so- snow shovel yeah. just right in your foyer. Yeah. Um, Archie, calm down, dude. You're very, you're very active tonight. But we need to get back to the content at hand. Yes. Whew. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, by the way, for those who are new here who don't know, uh, the way we do Q&A section at the end is that we answer Super Chats first, and we will answer everything else as we get to it. The show is an hour and a half long. It ends at 8.30, yes. so make sure to get your Super Chats in before then so we can make sure we get to them. If we do have more Super Chats than we have time, we will continue to answer Super Chats as they come in. Yes. So, just to get that out of the way, also the Super Chats are what goes towards the donation goals, so if you want to see... Uh, us put a Wendigo on trial, or go to Home Depot and ask for the best blue snow shovel with which to fight a Wendigo, you gotta, you gotta donate. Um, yes. And we've given you, like, an extra two shows to do it. So. Yes. I do like Kalen's idea what? of uh, putting a quad rail on <laughs> the blue snow shovel. <laughs> we should just attach random things to the snow shovel and see how it works. the latest super chat. Oh boy. How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Wendosi? The world may never know. That was the only answer that was acceptable there, so bravo. Thank you. But we need to get back to the topic. <laughs> also, thank you for forty nine yeah, ninety nine for that one. That. I'm sorry if that's not a sufficient answer, but it was a great joke. Oh, yes. Maybe we can put that on a shirt for you. Uh, Blue Snow Shovel Ballistics. Okay. Sorry, yes. We're, we're good, we're good. I'm, I'm just trying so hard yes, to keep the show on track. Okay, uh, I don't even remember where we were. We were talking about Annabelle. Yeah, um, we had just covered the fact that uh, the person had died in the open field. Right, and... right. So, yes, Annabelle had died in an open field, supposedly just a sad little girl, and and Donna and Angie, bless their hearts, mm-hmm. decided they wanted to bring Annabelle into their home and nurture her and give her a home, which I... Uh, never invite any supernatural entity into your home. That is, like, rule number one with just about all of them. Demons, vampires, skinwalker, it does not matter what it is. Do not invite it into the home. Southern hospitality will only get you so far. Yeah. You know, and this was in Connecticut, so it makes no sense. Exactly. Um, Connecticut people are mean. It's like New York's younger brother. Um... Can if I, any of you are from Connecticut, I'm sorry. Connecticut's really just like Malvern and Devon and Wayne, but like slightly colder. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, they invite so so they invite Annabelle into the home. Uh, this was, if you believe this story is true, mm-hmm. the point at which everything went wrong. 
Because the doll starts leaving notes written on parchment paper. Yep. Parchment, of course, is animal skin. Parchment paper is the wax paper you use for baking. Uh, Donna kept neither of these things in the home. Hmm. So the parchment paper was materializing out of thin air. Oh, nice. Then uh, the doll also began to bleed. As in viscous red liquid started pouring from its eyes, nose, and mouth. Um, Also deeply unsettling. And then it all comes to a head, unless I'm missing something, but I don't think I am. When one day, while Donna and Angie are both out, Lou is at the apartment, he's just sitting on the couch, and he hears something thump in Donna's room. Donna's not home, Angie's Mm -hmm. not home, he's worried there's a robber, so he sneaks on over into the room, takes a look, and there's nobody in the room, no sign of forced entry, window is closed, but the Annabelle doll is face down on the floor in the corner. And as he walks over and approaches the doll and goes to pick it up, he says that he began to feel a searing pain in his chest. And that when he opened his shirt, because the shirt did not rip, he he looked down, his shirt was covered in streaks of blood, and he opened up the shirt, and he had, if I remember correctly, three vertical scratches and four horizontal, which the number seven is prolific in the Bible, um, very much seen as a symbolic number, both can be for good or evil, typically just denotes supernatural. Mm. Um, three is usually a good number. So, he, uh, this is kind of the breaking point for him. But, the wounds also completely heal over two days. I mean, unless he's the child of Wolverine, it's a bit unusual. Exactly. Um, so we got Deadpool over here. But, they reach out, they decide at this point, you know, we need to reach out to a priest. So they reach out to Father Hegan. Of course, it's an Irish priest. Naturally. Um, because it's Connecticut. So they reach out. They reach out to Father Hegan, and Father Hegan goes, "Yeah, this is above my pray, my pay grade, my pray grade." <laughs> oh my God! It when the Freudian slip really just goes really great places for you, I'm gonna I gotta make a shirt that has just a little priestly like collar on it, and it says, "This is above my pray grade." Yes, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yes. that's going on the shop. Oh please, hang on, I gotta write it down. I I want that. Oh, that, that's so fun. Priest in middle management. <laughs> So, what? The, you know, there's like... Also a good skit? <laughs> well, that's a good skit, but just like those, uh, like, please stop doing this as this dash management, but it's like within the church, mm-hmm. and you do it like, please stop, like, lighting all of the prayer candles <laughs> before the doors open in the morning. Management. Please stay, please stop saying cash money when you collect the tithe. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So, anyway, he decides it's above his prayer grade. And he goes to Father Cook, his superior in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, this clearly is... I didn't look into the specifics of how the diocese they were in was structured, but clearly it was not high enough to go to the bishop, so it went mm-hmm. to a priest who was simply higher up than him. Yep. Um, just a senior a senior priest in the order. And <clears throat> Father Cook reads over the case, and a lot of the time, priests will look outside of the church for somebody to confirm its church business. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times that will not happen. But in this case, it did. And they reached out to Ed and Lorraine Warren, possibly because Ed and Lorraine Warren were already very well-known demonologists in the area. And they decided, you know what, they're going to be able to tell if this is a demon or not better than we can. We're just going to go in and perform an exorcism. They can tell us if they think that's necessary. Yeah. Uh, 
So Father Cook contacts the Warrens, and the Warrens come and immediately determine, A, uh, no, that's not a ghost, um, and B, you guys are in mortal danger. So what they decide that they're dealing with here is an evil spirit, which in biblical terms usually refers to demons. Hmm. Um, and that what happened was that the the demon needed permission to really, like, start, you know, bugging them about the house. So, when they gave Annabelle permission to stay, they were actually giving a demon permission to stay, and while the demon, according to Ed Warren, could not actually possess an inanimate object, it could manipulate inanimate objects, Mm. which is why it was moving Annabelle about the house, and why it was manifesting these notes and things like that, because it was trying to get them to the point where their sanity broke enough that it could possess them. Mm. So, they recommend immediately to Father Cook that, by the way, if you watch the movie Annabelle, there's a reason that this is not the story. It's because this is like seven minutes. Pretty much. <laughs> like, you could get maybe a couple scenes out of the actual Annabelle stories. So they had to invent a backstory for it. Yep. So, Ed says, you need an exorcism. They call Father Cook. Father Cook, reluctantly, because he's this is Episcopalian priest, by the way. Uh, these are not Catholic priests. Mm. The Catholic Church is the only church that actually trains exorcists. Yeah. And it is something you're selected for. Which I think is so interesting. I, I would love to... I mean, I, I don't know what the proper methodology would be to find a priest that is an exorcist. I'm you sure call the diocese. Way. You could? Yeah. Because oh, was... you call if you call your local diocese yeah. and say, I think I have a demonic infestation in my home... They have exorcists. I, I mean, more specifically, I mean, do you think we could interview one? Yeah, we could probably call the Diocese of Philadelphia. My grandfather, before he passed, uh, suggested I do that, actually. Because, oh, really? Yeah, he, I, this was around the time that we had uh, Father Peter on the show. Mm. So I was saying how I wanted to get a Catholic priest, and he was like, oh, call the diocese, they'll send somebody. Yeah. Because, no, I, I still have a Catholic priest that I know we can get on, but yeah. beyond just I'll, a Catholic I'll, priest, an exorcist would yeah, be interesting. Yeah, I can see about getting an actual exorcist. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, the Catholic Church will select candidates from seminary who they're like, you seem particularly attuned to this. and Oh, so it's as early as seminary that they get chosen. Oh, wow. They, they won't, like, train you out, like, in the seminary, mm. but as they, they keep an eye, and that's where they start looking. I love how exorcists are essentially, like, the spec ops division of the Catholic Church. <laughs> Catholic yeah. Church yeah. Um, <laughs> so they bring in they, they bring in Father Cook because the Anglican Church does not have trained exorcists, and the Episcopalian Church is a arm of the Anglican Church. It's basically the American version of the Anglican Church. Yep. And they send Father Cook in. Father Cook performs an exorcism in every room of the house and on the doll. Hmm. And then the Warrens take the doll home. And this is where the demonology breaks. Because one of two things has to have happened here. Hmm. Either the exorcism was unsuccessful, in which case the demon should still be in the home. Hmm. Or the demon attached itself to the doll. Hmm. So, it has to be one of those two things. Yep. If the exorcism was unsuccessful, that means that the demon attached itself to the doll and decided to leave the home. Yep. But Ed Warren says that a demon cannot possess an inanimate object. can only manipulate it. Mm-hmm. In that case, how did it follow the doll? It should have been stuck in the home. Or, if the exorcism was successful... Mm-hmm. The demon shouldn't be here. Yeah. So here's not here's an interesting question that I don't think we covered in the video itself. 
just that you just in a way that you can allow permission mm-hmm. for an entity to be in you know a location mm-hmm. can you allow permission of possession yeah you could theoretically i mean that's there are absolutely satanists and luciferian sects that will try to summon demons to be a vessel for them but i mean like in terms of the demon actually being able to possess just based off of willingness is that oh possible? yeah demon yeah it's 100 percent possible yeah yeah people could absolutely give themselves over to a demon if they wanted to if they thought it would improve their lives in some way um it won't it'll get no. you killed um i just think that could have been yeah it's possible but yeah. that doesn't seem to be the case and if you actually watch uh the conjuring three the devil made me do it that is the storyline is that this uh eight-year-old boy is possessed and his older sister's fiance during the exorcism Something goes wrong, and Ed Warren like ends up getting attacked, and it totally breaks down. And the story is that Arnie, uh, the the fiance of the older sister, not I guess boyfriend, not fiance yet, uh, but boyfriend of the older sister, you know, grabs him. And I haven't read up on the actual case, but mm. grabs the the boy and says, "Take me instead." Mm. And he he actually goes on to commit a murder mm. um, that he claims was the demon influencing him, and he only got five years for manslaughter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. So he ended up getting convicted for manslaughter, not for murder, because the defense of I was possessed by a demon held up enough in court for them to say this was not premeditated, this was not a crime of passion, mm-hmm. this was at the very, like, they basically probably looked at it as a psychotic break. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could easily make the assertion that it was temporary insanity Yeah, if you're not going to believe the demon story. Which, I mean, when you think about it, is kind of how a demonic possession would present anyway. Yeah. If you're if you were to say that demonic possession is real, mm-hmm. then think about it. It would present to the non to the skeptic mm-hmm. as a psychotic break. Yeah. So, you know whether or not you believe it was actually a demon, it was absolutely a psycho a psychotic break. It was yeah. psychosis. Uh, psychosis is, of course, as I said earlier while we were filming, um, the inability to distinguish between what is real and what is not real. So. By definition, psychotic break. If you believe it was a demon or not, it doesn't matter. In court, it's going to go in as temporary insanity. Yeah. So that's what happened. Um, <laughs> the devil made me do a defense. It, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Really? Yeah. Um, what so, what happened here? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did the exorcism fail and the demon decided to target the Warrens for trying to exorcise it? That seems like if you're gonna if you're gonna follow the story, mm-hmm. if you're gonna say this is a real thing that happened, yep. That that's probably the most plausible option because yep. an exorcism performed by a non-exorcist priest might not succeed. Yeah. Now, an exorcism, as it was described to us by Father Peter, really is you going to spiritual battle against the demon. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to be an exorcist, but exorcists are going to be trained against it in a way that a regular priest might not be, that they might be weak, they might be scared, yep. you know, they might not be sh- as sure that the Holy Spirit is going to protect them as an exorcist would be. 
And if you read these accounts, even like the trained exorcists are scared. So yeah, so and this was this was a pretty walk in the park exorcism too because it was it had not yet possessed a person. Yeah, it had just infested the home. Mm. So if the exorcism succeeded, everything Ed Warren says after this is total bullshit. Interesting. If the exorcism failed, you can you can still believe him a little bit. Yeah, there are still some breaks in his demonology with saying that it can't possess a doll. Mm-hmm. Because of the stuff that happens later in the story. Yep. But the exorcism has to have failed. That is the only way for this story to move forward. And what I'm trying to do here is follow the story and and make it work. In terms of the, the success capabilities or, you know, determination of, of an exorcism, what are some qualifiers that would allow you to know, A, whether it worked or not, or B like what you need to do differently in one situation versus another. I know you're not an exorcist by trade or anything, but like, you know, is there anything in your research that you found in terms of what does and doesn't work and how you may or may not know that it worked? So in talking to Father Peter about it, Mm. uh, because he and I had several conversations privately before he came on the show, he he actually wanted to make sure that I'm not like a a hack. Yeah. Um, Also, while we're at this segue, just kind of looked over the screen. If you're here, smash that like button, please. We love you. Um, you know, remember to give it a nice, tender, loving slap, uh, like I do to Aiden every night after the show. There we go. Um, so, you, uh, most exorcisms do not occur with possessed people. Most exorcisms are, I feel as though something is wrong with this house, priest comes, blesses the house, you know, maybe performs an exorcism, and then leaves, and if the paranormal activity stops, it's considered a success. Hmm. Uh, when it comes to an actual person being possessed, usually there will be like a a moment where it becomes crystal clear that the demon is gone. Hmm. And that is, you know, all of the, the frothing at the mouth and the speaking in tongues and all of that just stops. Hmm. Uh, so in this case, it would be very difficult to determine... If the exorcism was successful, especially if the demon just kind of sat back and went, I'm going to wait until this is over. Because, again, with ghosts, you're dealing with something that is stuck in a permanent loop. Yeah. With a demon, you're dealing with something inhuman and intelligent. Yep. Especially since when you think about what demons are in terms of, and, and we'll get into this later in the show, I'll talk about what demons are yep. um, in, in Christian Jewish theology, at least. Uh, again, it changes depending on who you're dealing with. But for the most part, there are some uh, some linear, like... Yeah, through lines, yeah. through everyone who believes in demons. So, uh, yeah, there's there's usually a moment of like where the tension breaks. In this case, however, there couldn't be that because nobody was possessed yet. So Ed tells Donna and Angie and Lou, you know, thank God you guys called because two or three more weeks and you'd all be dead. <laughs> um, well, which could easily just be him hyping things up. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps that is what it was. Perhaps he genuinely believed it. It's hard to say. Yeah. But they take the doll home, and they decide not to take the interstate because they're worried that the doll is going to cause problems for them, which is the very first point at which I begin to question Ed. Uh, because, you know, causing problems on the interstate versus causing problems on, like, a back road. Okay, well, there's that, but also if he believed the exorcism was successful, there was no reason he should have believed the doll was going to be a problem. So why did he believe the doll was going to be a problem? Well, probably because he had a feeling the exorcism wasn't successful. Yep. I, I don't know 
why he proceeded this way, but they decided not to take the road, and I need to make it crystal clear that from this point on, it is utterly impossible to corroborate anything Ed Warren says. Hmm. Because he says that they took the back roads home. Ed and Lorraine Warren are both dead, by the way. Um, and the only people in the car at this time are Ed and Lorraine. Mm-hmm. And they claim that every time they turned, the car like resisted the turn, the power steering went out, the brakes failed, they had numerous near misses and almost crashes, uh, stop signs, the car, the brakes would you know not work. So they claimed that the demon was screwing with the car. And when they get home, Ed it sits the doll on a chair and starts talking to it, and then he claims it starts levitating. Oh, so nice. at this point, the exorcism failed. Yeah. And Ed said that the doll cannot be possessed by a demon. The demon can only manipulate it. Well, where? what is the demon following now? Yeah. It seems like the demon is attached to the doll. Yeah. Which, after they then, after this happens, uh, they lock the doll in a glass case. And that glass case in their museum... Uh, is inscribed with both a prayer to St. Michael, Michael the Archangel, mm. uh, who is kind of like the the warrior archangel, so to speak, the, the protector of man. Yeah. And then it also has the Lord's Prayer on it, which is just mm. your typical Catholic Presbyterian. We all have the same. Our Father, you know, our Father, 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 That. And then it says, you know, positively do not open. Mm-hmm. So, Another story that comes out of this is that they have Father Jason Bradford, a young priest who comes and is looking at the doll and speaking to them about it. And he, you know, he's holding the doll, he picks it up, and he looks at it and he says, you're just a doll, Annabelle, you can't hurt anybody. And then throws it onto a chair. And Ed's like, you know, it's, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but Ed says something along the lines of like, that is the one thing you should not have said. <laughs> Uh, according to Ed, again, I do not have any source from Father Bradford. I just have Ed Warren. According to Ed, on the way home, Father Bradford uh, got into a very serious car accident and nearly died. Like, he could have been killed. Naturally. And, and Father Bradford, according to Ed, claimed, like called them when he got home and said, I was in a very serious accident, and right before it happened, I saw Annabelle in my mirror. Yep. My rearview mirror. Um, so, again... That appears to be the demon possessing the doll. Yes, it very much does. Uh, just a clarification, when he said he saw Annabelle in the rearview mirror, was it the doll or the... The, the doll. Child? Okay, got There's it. no child. There was never a child. Well, I mean, the person the person that died in I the know, field. but that's yeah. my point. There was never a child. Hmm. At the very least, this was the demon lying. Fair. Because demons can lie. Well, yes. So, I, uh, if Father Bradford saw the doll... That means the doll is possessed. Sorry, Ed. No, oh, yeah. It's a possessed doll. Yeah. You're wrong about your demonology. <laughs> um, also, no. if you don't think the doll is possessed, why is the doll locked in the glass case? Yeah, so why did you think it was going to be a problem when you were transporting it? Also, if it's trying to kill people, why didn't you burn it? <laughs> like, every single piece of this story, in my opinion, points to Ed Warren knowing that that doll is not actually haunted. Mm. Um, and then... Another episode... Either that or he's just trying to make money off of the fact that he did it. Um, Another episode in this, a young couple who are unnamed, a a, a young man and a young woman, go to the museum, and the young man taps on the glass and starts making fun of the doll. Then they're both laughing about it, and then they hop on his motorcycle to go home. And at some point during the drive home, they're, they're laughing and joking about Annabelle, so the story goes. 
And the girlfriend says that they he lost control of the motorcycle and they crashed into a tree and she had to spend a year in the hospital. He died. According to Anne Lorraine Warren, she told them that they had been joking about the doll right before the crash. The woman is unnamed. There's no way to verify. And that's about where stories about the Annabelle doll stop. After that, nothing really happens. They claim it's because they they upped security around it. Yep. But here's my question. Um, that doll is locked in a glass case with multiple prayers against it. How to get out to cause the crash. So now, Ed, apparently your case doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So your your protective spells don't work. Your encasement doesn't work. Your demonology is flawed, and you have yet to corroborate a single story you've told. Why should I believe anything about that doll? As somebody who genuinely does believe in this stuff, Mm -hmm. why should I believe anything Ed Warren said about the Annabelle doll? And furthermore, why should I then believe anything Ed Warren ever said about anything? Great questions. And I I don't like it because it takes... This is, like, arguably the most famous haunting, an episode of... The the most famous, like, demonic infestation story outside of maybe the the one in The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, But even that one, I don't think anybody actually remembers the names. Of the individuals involved? Yeah. Got it. With this, everyone's names are remembered. Everyone knows the story. And it frustrates me because a very legitimate... Um, you know, story could have been told, mm. and they chose to fabricate stuff. Yep. Why not just talk about the haunted doll that you had to have an exorcism over and now is sitting in the museum? Why does it have to have more stories to it? Why do you have to make stuff up? Or at the very least, why can't you just admit that maybe you don't know demonology as well as you think you do? We, we both know the answers to those questions. Money. Yes. Yeah. So it's frustrating. I wanted to have... A better opinion of the Warrens. I really did. Uh, Wendigoon has a full video on the Warrens. We'll be doing a full video on the Warrens. Uh, going into each of their cases. I, If I remember correctly. He comes to a similar conclusion in that. Um, that they, they were probably frauds. Yep. It is what it is. Um, but I wanted to talk about then. You know. What, what demons are. Yeah. Because we have a video on this. If you go, uh, you know, back on our channel, it's from earlier this year. I hmm. uh, just search demons on the channel; you'll find it. That was a while ago. It was a while ago, but we talk about it. And demons, especially in Judeo-Christian theology, are somewhere between uh, humans and angels. Hmm. It seems as though they are some form of angelic spirit, some class of angel, but a class of angel that is fallen that perhaps follows Satan or whatever in the theology. And the word demon comes from Latin, and the the Latin word comes from Greek, from daimon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the Greek sense of the term, that's how we got it in English. It's a different word entirely in Hebrew. But it enters enters the... The the word demon enters Christianity through Judaism, Mm -hmm. and it enters Judaism through the Jewish colony in Alexandria Mm -hmm. uh, during the Hellenistic period. Got it. So, and for context, what was the Hellenic period? That would have of... been, uh, if I remember correctly, that colony is the late 300s BC. Okay, that so we're talking, form. we're talking early, early. Oh, yeah, this is ancient. Yeah. And it enters because of the Septuagint, which is, uh, it means the Book of the Seventy. It's mm. uh, a Greek translation that traditionally is held to have been written by 70 different 
uh, Jewish scholars yeah. who were translating it independently. Hmm. So 70 translations, and they took all the translations and matched them against each other to make sure they got the most accurate possible translation. Hmm. This is still the Old Testament used by the uh, Orthodox Church, hmm. by the Greek Orthodox, and I believe the Russian as well, is they use translations of the Septuagint. Uh, and in the United States, the Orthodox Church uses the New King James, but in circumstances where the New King James and the uh, Septuagint differ, mm-hmm. they default to the Septuagint. Got it. So, because it was earlier um, and written by Jewish scholars, yeah, uh, rather than later Christian scholars, and. The word demon is used to refer to, uh, I can't remember the exact words in Hebrew. They're in our video. Um, I have the whole thing laid out in there. Alexandria, Egypt, by the way. Um, so they're in there somewhere. And they, uh, it's hard to describe exactly what they are. Um, but basically, uh, entities like Kamash and Abaddon and, um, is Azazel actually one? Azazel is in... Azazel would be a watcher. Azazel's an angel. Okay. Um, in the Book of Enoch. So, uh, and then, of course, you get into the Talmud and later Jewish writings that are post-Christian, and there's mm. all sorts of other stuff in there. Um, but basically what you get is this is a class of entity that seems to be some form of angelic being, because mm. c- it's divine, but it's not godly. Yeah. Um, and it's also... Evil. So, again, this is why I maintain that the, like, Christian doctrine that angels have no free will is BS. Um, because Fair. I think that that's just a poor interpretation. And I think that if you read the Bible, it's very clear that angels have free will, especially if you read Revelation. Mm. Because the alternative is that God created angels specifically to rebel against him. Yeah, which... I mean, sure, if you're a writer, it keeps things interesting, but yeah. just logistically doesn't sound like a great plan. Exactly. Uh, so I don't. I, I think I don't totally love that. Um, but yeah, so it seems that they're a class of angelic being, mm. and that they have the ability to possess human beings, or at the very least, uh, influence them uh, directly by going in, like, telepathically getting into their mind yep. um, to do horrible, horrible things to people. So... There has to be rules, right? Mm. There have to be rules, and anything that interacts with the physical, natural world mm-hmm. must follow natural law, yeah. right? So, magic, as we might know it, chemistry. Mm. Potions, chemistry. Yep. Um, think about, uh, for example, like, using... If you were to blast someone with invisible energy that did cause their body to vibrate in a certain way, what would you be doing? Oh, it just sounds like you're using The sonic air. blast. Yeah. The sonic blast. Yeah. So, when you look back at stuff in the Bible, for example, look at the horns of Jericho. They're carrying the ark around the city of Jericho, mm. blowing horns, and then the walls crumble. How might that happen? Sonic? Sonic blasts. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially... Sonic Blast is essentially just a uh, yep. pressure wave. Mm-hmm. So imagine if, if what you're doing is you're walking around a city for seven days, constantly hitting it with sonic energy, it's going to cause everything to vibrate for seven straight days. Mm-hmm. Eventually, stuff is just going to start crumbling. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Jericho, 
What seems like the Ark might have been some sort of sonic weapon. And you just gotta wonder, like, what in the hell at that time, if you take away the mysticism element just from a mechanical perspective? We will never know, because the Ark has been lost to time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's what I consistently tell people, is if there's going to be a spiritual world, mm. we do exist in the natural world. We follow yep. natural laws. Therefore, we must, when, when things from that spiritual realm interact with our realm, mm. they must be doing so physically in some sense. Mm. Whether that is, uh, you know, for example, I often say, like, what if schizophrenia, what if that is a stage of demonic possession? Mm. And you're, because think about, think about what, what that would present as. You'd be telling people, I hear voices in my head. I see things I can't explain. I know it's not real, but I can't help but feel like it's real. Yeah. If you describe the symptoms of schizophrenia, you're describing demonic possession. Yeah. So I'm not saying that schizophrenia isn't real. You're possessed by a demon. And the only way to cure schizophrenia is an exorcism. Yeah. No, I'm saying that apparently if you take lithium, it interferes with the demon's ability to, to, affect you hmm. because uh, there's it's physical it's doing something chemically in your brain that is presenting with these side effects with these symptoms so if you find something physical that prevents demonic infestation it'll work hmm. um so that's kind of how that that goes in my opinion but we are getting to the section of the show where it is time to answer questions yes question so. time super chat time and this is where you can contribute with the super chats to get to those donation goals just as a definitive element so yeah, yeah. if you guys want to start queuing up those questions and those super chats obviously we will prioritize super chats for the respect of the fact that people are spending money on them yep. uh and then if we get through all super chats we'll start looking for and answering other questions but and remember, your donation goals for the month. For $250, we will do a Halloween cocktail stream. You guys will get three Halloween cocktail recipes that I will post for you, mm -hmm. uh, probably in the Discord as well as here on YouTube. Um, and then for $500, there is the Blue Snow Shovel self-defense course. For $750, Wendigo goes on trial. And for $1,000, a Halloween-themed sexy calendar. You have until the end of September to raise this money. Really quickly, I know you said Wendigo goes on trial, but I you just... heard Wendigoon goes I on trial? I processed it as Wendigoon, and I was like... That would be funny. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That would be very funny. You have... <laughs> it's a slander trial against Wendigoon for icebergs. <laughs> uh, oh, um, but while you guys send those in... And all that, I'm going to read through some of the other Warren cases for you. Mm. Uh, just the, the, the Cliff's notes. Yep. So, for example, one of these is the Arnie Johnson case. This is the one where he uh, accepted the demon on behalf of the other person. In February 1981, 19-year-old Arnie Johnson stabbed his landlord, Alan Bono, to death after a day of drinking and partying that ended at Bono's apartment at a dog kennel that he ran in Brookfield, Connecticut. It was the first murder ever recorded in the town, and Johnson was put on trial for first-degree manslaughter. So, in the movie... There's no drinking going on. Mm. It's just sudden. Um, was this the result of uh, Alan perhaps hitting on his girlfriend and he went crazy and stabbed him? Or was it the result of a demonic possession? The court apparently was okay with demonic possession. <laughs> um, Amityville. On November 13th, 1974, in Amityville, New York, Ronald Defoe burst into Harry's bar and screamed that his parents had been shot and killed. Police discovered the bodies of six members of the DeFeo family. The father, mother, and four of the five DeFeo children were found, face down, shot in the back of their heads. Ronald claimed he wasn't home during the murders and had only discovered the bodies of his parents prior to arriving at Harry's bar. 
After police officers found a gun case for a 35 caliber Marlin rifle in Ronald's room, Defoe confessed. <laughs> After wow. a lengthy trial, Defoe was found guilty of the heinous murders of his family. He was sentenced to six consecutive life sentences, but there has never been a solid explanation of how one person acting alone could take the lives of six family members in the dead of night at 3.15 a.m. and no one heard the shots being fired. So the claim here is essentially that the demon, like kept everybody from assisted waking by up. Yeah, yeah, lack of consciousness. Interesting. And, of course, The Haunting of Connecticut, which is, to this day, in my opinion, one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. In 1986, the Snedeker family, Alan and Carmen, and their three sons, daughter, and two nieces, moved into a simple white duplex rental home in Southington, Connecticut. Why does everything in Connecticut have such a boring name? <laughs> that had at one time been a funeral home. In the basement, they found various mortuary items, including a hoisting apparatus for coffins, a medical gurney, blood drains, and toe tags. Soon enough, the Snedekers were reporting all kinds of evil, including sexual attacks, apparitions, and abrupt violent personality changes in the oldest sons, who was going undergoing treatments for Hodgkin's disease. After the family reached desperation, which is spelled wrong on the Warrens' website, uh, they didn't know where to turn. They reached out to Ed and Lorraine Warren and begged them to investigate their home. The Warrens investigated the house and officially proclaimed it possessed, and that the home was infested with demons and evil spirits. I would like to point out that, the, that according to Ed Warren... Inanimate objects cannot be possessed. Also, I do like the fact that the reason he read possessed in a certain way is because it's in quotes on yeah. the website. So um, so it seems like even the people running Ed and Lorraine Warren's museum don't believe Ed and Lorraine Warren. But, <laughs> you know, as that will Actually. be. But we're going to hit these super chats now. Let me scroll up and make sure we didn't miss any. Okay, that was one we read. Yep. Heavy Burn Man for $10. Will Southern Hospitality get me some of that creamy Wendussie? <laughs> Guys, look what you've done. You've broken him. You've broken him. You've broken the man. All right. Oh, good. We're, go we're going back to the, the classic okay. Okay. sitting style, I guess. Uh, I need to think. <laughs> you need to reflect on the decision that brought choices, you here. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go home and rethink your life? <laughs> um, what else we got? Avian for four ninety nine. I'll be watching this all the way through later. Can you say hi to the future Avian? Hi, hi. future Avian. Uh, that was for four. I said four nine nine nine. Yeah. Uh, Heavy Burman fifteen says, when an angel commits a sin, they can be forgiven like humans, or do they permanently fall? I uh, I mean, it seems to be a more permanent thing with angels. I. Mm. Uh, it, it seems like that's a decision that you can't come back from. And if you read, for example, again, it's apocryphal, but if you read Enoch, I uh, it does kind of take that tack that once the angels fall from grace they are immediately locked away into eternal torment if they're once they're discovered mm. and punished. Got it. Uh, Plans for $5 said, Speaking of demons, you now own a copy of the De Demon Gate High ta Tabletop RPG. Check the Lore Lodge email if you haven't already redeemed. Well, thank you. I will check the email. We will have to play that. Thank you very much. Ooh, maybe for the 24-hour uh, the stream. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh... Cool, I'll just skip them. Uh, Joseph said hello for $2. Says, hello, boys. How beeth the Windussy? Thank you. Not sure yet. We're still uh, we on the We have yet to try the Windussy. Yes. Mm -hmm. you know, one of these days. I think it's a little scared of our blue snow shovels. That's true. Yes. Uh, and then Joseph for $2 said, I'm from Connecticut. It's pronounced Southington. Oh, yes. Didn't want to bring it up earlier, but considering we're in question time now, there is one good, somewhat good thing that came out of Connecticut. What? 
it's a who. Who's the one who that I would bring up? Good old John Boy. Oh, John Paul Jones. No. No? Oh, John Mayer. Oh, John Mayer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was born, uh, born and raised in Fairfield, Connecticut. Right, I was going to say, John Paul Jones was Scottish. Yeah, no, no, he was born in the Highlands of Scotland. That's a very different... Oh, oh he was a madman. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's all the super chats for now. I don't know if anybody's keeping track of the super chat like such. Usually, anything. Arson does, but I don't think she's here right now. Fair enough, but it's fine. I'll count later. We're somewhere. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, what are your thoughts on the claims of the Ark being in Ethiopia? So there is no evidence that it's there, and the one place they claim it is won't let anybody actually check. I think it would be really cool if it was, but I also have questions about how it would have gotten to Ethiopia. I uh, so interesting. That might be more of a Wendigoon uh, investigation for Weird Bible. Uh, Partially Infinite for five dollars says, "What are your thoughts on mass hysteria and whether or not it's a form of demonic possession?" Interesting. So, you, didn't you get a psychology degree? Minor. Yeah, did, did you talk about mass hysteria at all? No, not really. Oh, well, all right. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say mass hysteria would be a demonic possession symptom. I think that it's simply the human uh, tendency towards seeking social acceptance. Mm. So when you see a situation in which a couple of people are freaking out, a couple more people might freak out, and then it just exponentially grows to yeah. the point where everyone is freaking out. Yeah. Um, I mean, mob mentality is a definitive exactly. like. And and the th- yeah, and it people individually will typically make decisions out of self preservation. Mm. People in large groups will typically make decisions out of self preservation out of preservation of the group. Yes. So if they see a whole group doing something, they're very likely to follow it. Yeah, that's kind of the whole reason behind the oh, I can't remember the terminology for it right now, but it's essential. Oh, the, the uh, bystander effect. Yeah. So when something horrible happens on like a busy street. Nobody generally tends to do anything because they don't want to be the odd one out. Well, it's not. It's not even necessarily that. It's because there's just in, this innate assumption within the human brain, for whatever reason, that someone else is going to take care of it. And I think that might partially have to do with self-preservation, because if you're putting yourself in jeopardy, yeah. you know, it becomes an issue. There are exceptions to that rule in the sense of like, especially you know, first responders who have been trained to respond to that. But then but even are, they have to be trained. Like, yes, exactly. There are outliers who will just jump into it, but generally they're making yeah. a more than conscious decision. Like this, it was a premeditated conscious decision to help people. And that probably comes out of our very early days as being like small tribes. Yeah. Oh, where 100%. what was good for the group was almost exclusive always good for the for everybody involved in the group yes so today where what's good for the group is not necessarily good for the individual people still have that latent tendency towards avoiding conflict two things so uh one dreadlocks for 199 says i'm out of the loop what's the deal with the blue snow show uh, our buddy chad <laughs> this guy from, way from massachusetts uh one of my er- one of our earliest followers um stitched one of my videos and i Grabbed, he was going out to fight the, the Wendigo, and he grabbed a blue snow shovel out of his garage, which, of course, had, like, a chainsaw and an axe and all this other, like, stuff that could have been used. Yeah. And he grabbed the snow shovel, and since then, it's just kind of become a, part, a joke on the channel. Pretty much. Also, this is exciting. Will S. is finally back with an update on the uh-huh. Bone Tree. 
Uh, so for $10, he said, it's been a while. I've got an update on the bone tree. A couple people have started hearing something calling names from outside the building while we're alone. So that's fun. Will, where was the bone tree again? You mean like what state? Like, yeah. I remember it being like secluded. Wasn't I know, but I kind of want to visit the bone tree. Now. Oh, that would be fun. I just the main have thing to I, raise money to visit the we would have to but... raise that could be a twenty five hundred <laughs> goal. Uh, you guys pay us enough money, we will visit we'll the bone go, tree. We'll check out the bone tree. I just I just remember loving. Don't move the bones. Yeah, don't move the bones. <laughs> I like how they're just talking about Archie now. I mean, can you blame them? It's valid. He's a good boy. Um, oh, I had a question for you earlier, but I can't remember for what me? it was. Yeah, for you. Um, I'm trying to think. I only vaguely remember the bone tree. That must have been a while ago. It was ages ago. Oh, my God. We, we covered it like last two or year. three times. Yeah, I think it was. Either that or very early in the I need year. to look back into the bone tree. Uh, I remember the bone tree. Don't move the bones. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I just remember you being like, if you see bones, buy a tree. Do not move the bones. <laughs> Which is, oh, Southeast, Southeast Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Yeah. I mean, that's not too far. It's a shame we used to have a place to stay in Wisconsin. Yeah. Damn it, Becca. Go back. <laughs> back to Wisconsin with you. For like uh, three days. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to go back. But oh, we must go back. We have the technology. That was a crossover episode right there. Um, I'm trying to remember what that thought was. Yeah, Will, I'm going to have to go back and read through my email. And I think you sent me an email with the full bone tree story. But I'm going to have to go back and read through it and... We readdressed the bone tree. Did we do a story time on the bone tree? I think we might have done a story time on the bone tree. I think we did. Perhaps. Archie's hair is flying all over. You the gaze way. into the bone tree. The bone tree gazes back. You. What if Archie is plotting to kill you? Well, if he is, he's doing a horrible job of it. No, he's just playing the long con. <laughs> I feed him. Oh, interesting question from uh, uh, History Daddy. As an agnostic, at the point of unaliving, would I get plonked straight into hell, sent to purgatory, or get shown the pearly gates and given a chance to make up my mind? So, various Christian sects have different belief systems regarding this. Some believe that you only have your earthly life, and if you die without accepting Christ, you are doomed to hell. And uh, and even then, various Christian sects have different opinions on what hell is. Uh, Wendigoon and I have an entire podcast episode on mm. this of just him and I talking about the question of hell. Yeah. And exploring it theologically. Um, that's Weird Bible Podcast. I think episode one. It's either oh, one really? or two. Yeah. How many have there been now? Five. Okay. Wow. Uh, by the way, next Weird Bible is Thursday. Oh, nice. Yeah. That'll so uh, that'll be fun. I haven't I, th I don't know particularly what we're talking about. I know we decided, but I don't recall exactly what it was. Um, AV, or, or, but yeah, I wanted to answer the question a little bit more. Uh, other Christian sects believe that there is a period between now and the final judgment that occurs in Revelation. And if you die before that, you kind of get into a waiting period where those who did accept Christ go straight to heaven, but those who didn't go to a form of purgatory. I... Hmm. Uh, and have the opportunity to, um, you know, accept Christ and, and God and make up for it. Uh, so if you were an agnostic, my, my personal belief is that there, uh, my, my interpretation is that is kind of along those lines that when you die, it is not straight to the final judgment. Um, and that you would have the opportunity to, uh, 
get closer to God. I also believe that hell is not a lake of fire as it is alluded to Hmm. in certain biblical uh, sections, but rather that it is uh, eternal separation from God. So here's a question kind of related to that. Beyond agnostic, what about somebody who's even a little bit more complex in the sense of, you know, somebody who wants to believe but can't bring themselves to believe from whatever that is holding them back? That's what I mean is I think that people who are in that situation probably end up in some form of purgatory where they are given time to figure it out Mm -hmm. uh of course in judaism um when you do have aspects of like hellfire as punishment which Mm -hmm. isn't common Mm -hmm. um it is a purifier it's burning away the sins nobody in judaism goes nobody in judaism goes to damnation eternally interesting your your sins are burned away Mm. so is it painful yeah but is it permanent no and i see christianity like if christianity is the direct descendant of judaism and the christian god is the jewish god then I don't see why God would, in the year 1 AD, or I guess in the year 33 when Christ dies, but I don't see why that same God would wait until 33 AD to create hell. I think that the Christian hell must be the same as the Jewish. The the Christian afterlife must track with the Jewish afterlife in order for the theology to be consistent. So the way I see it, the Jews don't have an eternal hell for humans. They have eternal hell for angels, yep. but they don't have eternal hell for humans. So if they don't have it, Christian, Christianity can't have it either. Are the and I have another question. And again, to be clear, this is my interpretation. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not necessarily what you would get from any other Christian. Avian, I will get to your question in a second, but just considering we're on this topic, two things really quickly in relation to that. Number one, um, is there a different, or at least different subsections of the type of hell between the hell for humans and the hell for angels? And then additionally to that because i don't just to really quickly answer that question in the bible it's not stratified got it and then in relation to multiple religions with the same god we just covered the transition between judaism and christianity where does islam fit into that equation in terms of what their views on hell are i haven't looked into the more specific theology of islam i've read the quran but i haven't looked too deeply into it in the same way that i have with the bible and the uh tanakh mm-hmm. but i uh, i believe theirs is of a similar structure to the uh like medieval christian belief about hell in that infidels and sinners will go to hell and the believers will go to paradise Got it. um i just remember what my question was from earlier sure and, Avian, we will get to you right after this one. Specifically in relation to prophets, uh-huh. in relation to, you know, obviously a lot of the major religions Cha-ching. that had prophets in <laughs> The one with the PH. Ah, so Scientology. <laughs> Maybe. Um, in today's modern world, do you think it's possible for there, A, to be a prophet, B, for them to be believed if they actually were, and C, if they were to be believed, is there a way to definitively confirm whether it be through the church or some other means that they are an actual prophet well i'll say right now if the catholic church told me somebody was a prophet i would immediately ignore them um but uh, i i don't know it's as far as i recall the bible warns of false prophets Mm -hmm. but does not say that there will be no more prophets Mm -hmm. Um, what you do get is that Jesus Christ is the way, he is salvation, 
salvation comes through none other but him. Mm. So if you're going with the Christian theology, then uh, there could theoretically be other prophets. But kind of the idea is that we're given the Holy Spirit so that we don't need people to speak to God for us. Mm-hmm. Or, or uh, you know, tell us what God wants. Mm-hmm. The idea of the Holy Spirit is that we have God within us. So we don't need prophets. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily, I don't think it necessarily says, I'll have to reread um, the New Testament. I've been reading so much more of the Old Testament lately. Mm. I'll have to reread parts of the New Testament. But I don't believe that uh, it says prophets can't come back. Um so yeah, that's that's the answer I would give, I guess, to that. I'll ask I'll ask Isaiah on uh, Thursday what his opinions are on that. Cool. Yeah, no, I would definitely love to see what he thinks on that. Um, and then okay, so Avian, finally to you uh, for nine ninety nine. Could slash would you guys ever do a video on Christian denominations, their histories, and what makes them different? Well, that's I actually was planning to do that. Yeah, Wait, really? um, it's probably going to be a series of videos, but there will be videos of that. Uh, yeah, that was fitting that that question was kind of relevant to what you know we were discussing mm-hmm. here. Uh, are you taking a look at what yeah. Christian's saying? Christian and I had this argument recently. <laughs> what was the argument, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it, it was over, uh, you know, unless I'm mistaking where he's responding to stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, it, it, it's... It, it's don't worry about it. <laughs> it got it got really really deep. Fair enough. <laughs> Up too much of a rabbit hole. No, he he, he, he and I have slightly different opinions on um you know hell and what changes occurred uh, between um the last of the Old Testament prophets and Jesus. It's just mm. um you know different different opinions on the same text, which is sure. fine. Uh, the Renard Show for five dollars says, "Do not be afraid. What do you think happens during psychoactivity?" As low as THC or as high as DMT, I believe it is a method of communion. Yeah, I don't know specifically about something like THC, but there are enough stories with uh, DMT and the fact that it's found in human brains on autopsy uh, in sufficiently high levels that it would cause hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me wonder, yeah, does could it be some form of that? Uh, there's the theory that Moses was perhaps speaking to a burning acacia bush, mm. which is naturally high in DMT. Yep. Um, I haven't looked too deeply into that one, but I think it's at least interesting. Uh, but yeah, I would say that, that, like I said earlier, if we are, if we exist in natural law, then any communication between us and the divine has to occur through a natural substance. It has mm. to leave a marker. So it could be, in my opinion, that, you know, maybe that marker is is DMT. Maybe we pick it up as that, and that's what we see when we do an autopsy. And what you're seeing there is the human body producing the chemical that allows us to commune with the divine. Yep. Um, and the idea would be that prophets are naturally, just have very high DMT levels mm. in their blood naturally. That That's not their blood, their brain. But that's how that works. Mm. Um uh, Heavy Burning Man says for $15, do y'all and or Wendigoon have plans to talk about the deadly sins slash deadly thoughts? He might. I don't. Okay. Um, there's no reason we can't do that, though. Yeah. That's that's one one thing that's been going on the past couple weeks has been, like, writing out content ideas for the next uh, the next few months. And, uh, you know, I guess what will be season three <laughs> coming up in January. Oh, wow. Um, to answer my mother's question, I... Weird Bible this week, if I remember correctly, is uh, the Exodus. Mm. So the period from the Jews leaving Egypt to arriving 
in Canaan and setting up the new, um, you know, nation of Israel. Yep. I do find it interesting because I don't know, I mean, unless you are, you know, prolific in terms of either going to church consistently, reading the Bible consistently, or just like a, a religious scholar, I think it really gets overlooked by a lot of casual, you know, theists. Going to start referring to Christians who don't read the Bible often as casuals. <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think it gets overlooked <laughs> by casual theists how like intense the the Exodus was from. Oh yeah, it's a long period. Yeah, a lot happens. A long time. A lot of wandering in the desert. It was it was not a very quick thing. It's like we leaving, we left, we're here. It was. Yeah, a lot of people think about it as like, all right, so uh, they left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, and they're in Canaan. And it's like, no, they wandered through the desert for forty years. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, like the first period of Moses' life is 40 years when yeah. he's in Egypt. So everything that happens in Egypt in Pharaoh's court with Moses, that's all occurring, occurring over 40 years. They wander through the desert for 40 years, and then they spend 40 years setting up Israel. Which is insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my mom is very supportive. <laughs> Extremely. So is his mom. She's not here right now. No. They're, they're at the beach. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in hearing you though. I don't know what Alex is talking about. You want to scroll up and see? Uh, sure. I think they've got a whole in-depth conversation going. Yeah, I'm curious what it might be. Um, my homeboy's got bags of saw multiple flashlights, shock the Um, spirits, motion textures. Wait for the exorcist house? You're going to the exorcist house. Right, scroll back up a little bit. Yep, let's yep, let's yep. see if he explains further. Doesn't look like it. All right, go back down. So yeah. you guys are going oh, wait, to the exorcist. Wait, I saw. Here we go. What, what type of equipment should I bring to take pictures and gather info at the exorcist house? Um. Um. We just recommend not going. But so if you're gonna go, first of all, I go. You know, talk to a priest and get like a cross blessed or something and wear that. Um. But yeah, if you can scroll back up so I can see the other stuff he was saying. Yeah, real quick um, before we go back to the list that he's going to yeah. bring. Lived in 35 minutes of it. I got sick from, from it when standing across the street from it. Uh, I mean, that house is known for being evil. Yep. So. My dad grew up near in Coldwater Creek near the Exodus House, and my friends and I are an assortment of Christians, so we should be good, hopefully. Okay, so first of all, do not assume that being Christian is going to be enough protection. Um, the the way that the Holy Ghost works is that you have to actually be aware of it and mm. uh, in tune with it. Simply being baptized at some point in your life is not enough. So you're going to want to really spend some time, you know, reading your Bible, spiritually preparing yourself, bring crosses, bring, you know, something that actually you feel very strongly attached to. Be prepared. Like, we both have actually the same cross now. He's yep. newer, though. I bought it for him. Um, but, yeah, you know, bring that. Um, get get something blessed. Uh, I would do holy water. Uh, salt is typically... Salt, silver, and fire are kind of the go-tos for this kind of thing. Uh, but do not expect a salt circle to protect you from a demon. Um, if you've ever watched the TV show Supernatural, for example, a demon will manipulate the environment around you to make you break the salt circle, even if it works. Uh so you've got to be, um, and, and that's that's one of the things Supernatural gets right, by the way. Um, yep. 
so if you're going to go, you need to make sure that you're very, 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 very sure of yourself, of your faith, and do not at any point separate from one another. If you must separate, separate in groups of three. Mm. Um, you don't want to find yourself in a position where one of you, we're in groups of two, and one of you gets possessed. Yep. If you've got to separate, make sure that you don't separate in any group smaller than three. A lot of this, by the way, is simple survival. Yeah. Like, uh, suggestions. Um, in situations where you're not worried about getting possessed, but the buddy system is okay and two people is fine. If you're worried about getting possessed, not only is three a deeply theological number that is the trinity it is um you know everything comes in threes in the bible yep you see periods of like you'll have you know three forty year periods like mm. with moses um so three is a very strong number it is also a strong architectural number when you build you build with triangles three is just a very strong number um it's a prime number like it's groups of three uh i would have something made of iron i would have sage uh, you know, like sage incense or a sage candle uh, is going to be a good thing. And if at any point you feel yourself being overwhelmed while you're in there, leave. Do not stay. Do not think you're stronger. Do not think that reading Latin out of a book is going to save you. If you feel like something is wrong, leave the house. Yep. Also, just in terms of what Supernatural gets right, I mm -hmm. think that could be a fun series for us to do. That could be a fun series. Also, Even it's just shorts. My mom suggested yeah. that we talk about the coffee. Uh, for those who don't know, we have Lore Lodge branded coffee from Tableau Roasting Company. The link to this is in the description. Uh, I personally designed this roast. Mm -hmm. I worked hand-in-hand -hand with Matt from Tableau to get exactly the flavor profile I wanted, and um, it came out so good. Uh, it's called Mount Pocono Perk, yep. and it is a blend of very good beans, actually, from three continents. We've got uh, Honduras, Ethiopia, and Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So we've got South America, Africa, and Oceania. Um, like, it's just, it's so good. It smells phenomenal. It's a medium dark, perfect for drinking black. It also goes really well with uh, just a couple spoonfuls of sugar yep. and some cream in it. Uh, I've made cold brew with it. That was so good. It was good. Yeah, we just had the one uh, thing I French press before this. Yeah, the one thing I haven't tried this with is uh, espresso. Mm. And nice. contrary to popular belief, yes, you can make espresso out of any coffee. Espresso is the uh, method, not the bean. Yeah. Although many espresso blends will involve beans with higher caffeine content. You have... What else we got here? So we, we have one up here. Yeah, this one was definitely a, yeah. very much a you question. Um... Moses and the Israelites killed a giant before crossing the Red Sea. If I remember correctly, it's Og of Bashan, who isn't fully described as bed is big. I'm going to take a look at that one, because uh, when you say Rephaim, is that supposed to be the giant's name? I'll have to look into it mm -hmm. um, as I'm doing research for this week. Uh, but yeah, so... And then we have down here... What are your favorite colors? Uh... <laughs> I don't really bring salted water for tulpas, essentially a pitfall trap, then you need a vessel for the cage. I haven't dealt much with tulpas. For those who don't know, tulpas are uh, when a group of people mass uh, believe in something, it can manifest its existence, is the idea. It comes, I think it's a Buddhist belief, particularly, at the tulpa specifically, mm. but the idea of manifesting something into existence is ubiquitous yep. throughout societies also i know my favorite color is this uh, uh mine is forest green 
which uh, ah, if you look at the label on the bag, it's hard to see because the backdrop is black, but it's forest green. That's nice. Uh, Equator Tenebris uh, for 499 said, so I do have a demonology tarot deck with instructions on how to summon each specific demon. Would y'all like to hang out sometime? After you said that, absolutely not. Stay away from me. Aiden <laughs> huh? is very much against tarot cards. and Tarot cards, Ouija boards. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. If it is meant to summon a demon, I don't want it anywhere near me or my home. I can't say I blame you. <laughs> also, Mystic, thank you for keeping up on the yes, uh, thank you the super chat thing. So we're we're about forty dollars away from the uh, Halloween cocktail stream. Yeah, you guys might hit that tonight. Yeah, uh, forty bucks. Woo. Um, I do want to. You got the you got the coffee, Kalen. Awesome. I'm nice. glad you like it. By the way, for those watching, Kalen here uh, recorded our theme song. Yes. So uh, check him out. I think I think you're on Spotify, right? Uh, if not, you know, let let them know where to go. But you have our permission. But yeah. Um, Rephaim is used in reference to giants descended from the Nephilim. All right, I hadn't heard that one. That's new to me. I'll have to look more into that. Is that from uh, is that from Enoch or something? Or is that in Numbers? Because I know in Numbers they mention Nephilim, but there it it could be a faulty report. Is the idea? Uh, where is Metal Bob the Builder? I tried to record the screaming track for it. We need better microphones. Yeah, I might be able to do it with this one. I haven't tried yet. It didn't occur to me that the Yeti Pro might be able to handle it better than the regular Yeti. Yep. But if not, I have a buddy who's in a metalcore band um, and is actually reducing, re- releasing an EP called Skinwalker. So uh, I'm gonna if I can't do it with the Yeti Pro, then I will see if I can do it uh, with his equipment. Thank you, Mystic. We appreciate you helping out. And okay, thank support. you, Plaz. I'll uh, I'll look into those. Actually, you know what? Um, Blanchett tattoo, and I've been in your home. How does it feel? I did not know you had one, but. Uh... <laughs> I I do this all the time where I'll make the symbol instead of just holding on to the one on my neck. Yeah. Uh, let's give see. You a reminder. Um, Alex says we got Catholics, Baptists, non-denominational, Lutherans, and an Orthodox in the group. We'll get perspective from bishops and priests from each church we respectfully go to. They're probably going to say much the same thing I just did. Just a heads up. Yep. Um. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking about the sons of Anak. Okay. I see. I see where you're going. All right. Cool. Oh, yeah, you said the word renown while we were recording earlier, and I just want to let you know, I meant to say it earlier, but we got distracted because we had a million other things mm-hmm. going on. Uh, I can't hear that word anymore. Oh, without thinking of mighty men, men of renown? Yes, yeah. exactly. You ruined that word for me. Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. What Deuteronomy book did he say it was in? Uh, Deuteronomy was... These were some, uh, 311. 311? Yeah, if you want to keep looking at questions in there, I'm going to pull sure. this guy up. This is uh, why I love having like eight different Bibles in my house, is because there's just one laying around. Yeah, all we the love time. that. There's always just a Bible. Uh, Shadow Assassin nine oh eight said, "How have your thoughts on flesh pedestrians changed over your channel growth?" because uh, it's considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be of the opinion that Skinwalkers and Wendigos and uh, all and the Dogman, all of that, were actually just different cultures commenting on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I no longer believe that. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you, Christian. We'll, oh, uh, thank we'll officially you. have the Halloween. Christian, today. you can you can pick the uh, the base alcohol, and I will design you particularly a a Halloween cocktail, nice. and you know that I'll do a good job with it. So, I. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, what was the question? Right. It, uh, the, how our opinion the views changed? Yeah. Opinion. So now, now more of the opinion that a lot of this is harkening back to something that did exist, and then also mixing in later practices and beliefs. 
Mm. So uh, I do think that deep in our history, we do have a genetic memory of something, probably the Nephilim, mm. um, that leads us to be afraid of certain characteristics. Uh, but I also think that those have perhaps morphed over time, or maybe we're dealing with specific different things. I think that, you know, I- I'm just less certain now, honestly. Yeah. Like, I still believe in all of it, but I'm, I'm just less certain about, like, how much I'm actually on to. Yeah. Fair. Versus how much I'm making assumptions. Uh, yep. So I've become a lot less... Um, well, it sounds like you've become a lot more critical of yeah. the evidence that is presented to you, which is oh, a good thing. Oh, that too, yeah. Uh, and then... We oh, God. One. The trans Jordan. Does that imply the cis Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> and which one was Jesus yeah. baptized in? Then we turned and went up the uh, way of Bashan and Og the King of... What, what's going on here, actually? <laughs> that's a good question. Oh, also, real quick, there was uh, a good question from Ya Boy, what, which is, what are y'all's interpretations of God? All-encompassing, omnipotent, etc.? Yep, omnipotent, omnipotent and omnipresent. Um, everywhere at once. All-loving, all-knowing. Mm. Um, also gave humans free will. Basically hit, wrote the program and hit play. <laughs> so <laughs> you ever play Sim City? I was just gonna say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> playing Sims. But basically, yeah, he uh he gave us free will and chooses to remain outside of earthly matters, uh, in most cases. Uh not because he doesn't care, but because he gave us free will and yeah, we know from way back when in the Bible that the opinion is, you know, the sins of the father are passed on to the son. Mm. So that's not supposed to be a way of, like, if somebody comes to you and says, why does my life suck? It's not, you know, a way of explaining away and being like, ah, oh, your dad was really shitty, dude. Yeah. No, it's like, it's a warning to fathers, not to yeah. sons. And I think people don't, I, that's not properly taught, in my opinion, because mm. a lot of people are like, wait, well, why am I getting punished? Like, what yeah. did I do wrong? It's like, no, it's not that. It's a warning to the father. Yeah. It's a warning to men that you must act, you must be good Otherwise, your generations will suffer. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, where are we here? So and the Lord our God delivered him before us, and we smote people and his sons and all his people. Uh, and we took all his cities at that time, utterly destroyed the men, the women, and the little ones. Okay, Anakin. Um, of every city, we left none to remain. By the way, this is how biblical warfare is supposed to go. You're supposed to, if you're going to go to war, it's supposed to be total war. You finish it, mm. you take nothing. Interesting. Um, yeah. Only the cattle we took for a prey unto ourselves and the spoil of the cities which we took. Uh, yeah, so you're supposed to take, you know, spoils of war, but you're not supposed to, like, leave people in limbo. You're not supposed to, like, take stuff from people. You're supposed to, if you're going to go to war, you kill everyone. Hmm. Um, which is brutal, but also probably intended to avoid retribution. That is very, uh, as, real quick, just in terms of total war as you continue reading, mm-hmm. uh, it's relevant to the book that I'm currently almost finished that I just got last weekend. Uh, it's called... Uh, the Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell. It's his most recent book. I haven't read any of his other ones yet, but I, I, I'm intrigued to do so now. Uh, really interesting story about uh, the Bomber Mafia was a group of people down in, I believe it was, it, it was Marshall Field. I, I think it was in Alabama. I can't be certain. Um, but essentially, it was them putting, I'm just giving you an opportunity to dissect. Yeah. Um, put them putting together this idea of back before World War II occurred, uh, you know, planes had just been introduced, and this was like right after World War One, and they were essentially just a couple decades of individuals theorizing of a potential plane that could exist in terms of being able to tr- drop precision bombing 
onto precise targets of, you know, essentially production facilities of an opposing side, being able to minimize the, you know, unintended casualties of war uh, as much as possible. And so they were just designing what were these what would these strategies be? And they were really reliant as they grew on uh, the Norden bomb site developed by Carl Norden. And the interesting part of that is the Norden bomb site was probably the most sophisticated mechanical computer of the time. But the fact of the matter is, is that even with even with elements of the Earth's rotation being taken into account into the calculations within the aircraft, it still almost never was on target because there were just too many other variables that were uncontrollable, such as clouds. You would need to be able to see the target, and if there were clouds between you and your aircraft that was at 30,000 feet, you weren't going to be able to be on target because you couldn't see it. Uh, but the interesting thing in relation to that is as World War II went on and... The B-29s that were using the Norden bomb sites were moved over towards uh, the Pacific Theater, specifically in relation to Japan. Uh, that was when a project that was developing in uh, the northeastern element of the United States was then put more into mass production, specifically the development of napalm, uh, which, if you're not familiar with napalm, is just basically a gel that burns at 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and... It was essentially taking the Bomber Mafia's idea of minimizing casualties as much as possible while effectively taking out the enemy, transitioning into total war, purely because of the fact that their altruistic goals of trying to make war somewhat more just, or not more just, but just less barbaric, were so lofty it just wasn't possible. And unfortunately, they had to go more towards the total war strategy within uh what was inevitably ended up being the bombing of tokyo uh i hope that was interesting i don't know if you guys can see it but i have three bibles in front of me at the moment but yeah anyway so in in relation to total war and also if you have an interest in world war ii or just military tactics or just really interesting uh people uh in relation to designing mechanical things or science uh, I would highly recommend The Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. All the season table in, all Gilead and all Bashan, Tesalcha and Edre, kings of Bashan, for only Og, the king of Bashan, remained of the rest of the giants. For only Og. The king of Bashan remain the rest of the giants. I really do enjoy watching him cross-reference all of this stuff because... So where's the giants there? You can see the gears working in his head. It's okay. And I just love the fact that, like, I know we're going to get a really, like, good uh, synopsis and debrief of whatever it is that he has theorizing there. The one below it. So it's 7497 in Strong's. They all say giants. The point was to find the correct Strong's concordance number, which is 7497. But oddly enough, Strong's does not mention Rephaim in that. Huh? What? Well, in my. So Ryrie, in my KJV study Bible, says that it's the Rephaim. Mm hmm. And my interlinear says that it's 7497. 
which is Raphaim. Mm-hmm. But Strong's doesn't list that as being here. Odd. J-I... Plaz is saying weird. Is it listed as Akeem or Anakim? Does it list as Anakim? Um, that's what I'm confused about. Because no, in this it doesn't. Um, I'm wondering if it's under Giants. Because it could be that Rephaim is the word used there, and Giants is used here. Um, H I. Oh, nope, nope. Also, just a heads up, it is 831. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, giant. Okay, so according to Strong's, the word there is best translated as giants and not Rephaim. Mm. So, and it does relate it to the sons of Anach. Yeah. And let's see if he has an Anakim in here. He said, yeah, it should be 749. Seven, yeah, that's what it Rafa. is. That's what it is in my interlinear, but in my strongs, he doesn't list it as that. He says it's giants. Mm. Uh, and I'm inclined to go with strong, but um, of course I turn to the page of aliens. <laughs> what the? Okay, they're talking about like alien is in from somewhere else. Um, altar is apparently in the Bible so, so many times. This is, <laughs> this entire page is the word altar. Why? Because the word altar is apparently in the Bible so many times. Oh, so this is just a reference to every word that is yeah. used? Anakim. Um. I, mm, No. I mean, it says it's just, that's weird. And Ryrie is the least reliable out of the three that I have here, because um, it's just old. Uh, yeah, I mean... Natalie is asking... So, so here's the thing. The, the argument here would be, is it saying that this guy was giant, or is it saying that he was a descendant of the... Or is he one of the Rephaim? Um... And are the Rephaim actually descended from C220? A land of giants or Rephaim? So this is... Uh, da, da, da. That also was counted a land of giants. Giants dwelt there in old... Giants dwelt there in, in old time, and the Ammonites call them Zam, Zamzumims. A land of giants refers to a race of giant people who inhabited Palestine on both sides of the Jordan... See notes on Genesis fourteen five. Around the yeah, this is this is how prep for weird Bible goes. By the way, um, and this is certainly a weird Bible topic. <laughs> it was it said fourteen. Sorry, yeah, Natalie's saying, "Where's your Talmud?" I don't have a Talmud. This, this I mean, this is. Why would I have a Talmud? It's post Christian. I don't know. I mean, I guess I can look into it, but like in terms of... I was just relaying the question. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> um, I didn't mean to get a copy of the Talmud and the Kabbalah, but I just haven't done it What's yet. the Kabbalah? Uh, it's mystic. Um, Jewish mystic. Huh. Um, Archie looks like he's deep in in like philosophical thoughts. Well, that's impossible. 
fourteen five. Okay. What does it say? It says uh, onto the place of altar and Lot. Oh wait, that's thirteen. Here we go. Fourteen. That's why I was confused. Uh, and in the fourteenth year came Shedorlomer and the kings that were with him and smote the Rephaims in Ashtoreth Karnaim and the Zuzims in Ham and the Emims in Shaba Kirithaim and the Horites and the, okay. Uh, so this says the Rephaims lived on both sides of the Jordan. Um, yeah, so it's unclear. In here, I don't know what the word Rephaim means. That's the problem. So if Rephaim specifically does, in fact, mean descended from the Nephilim, mm. then we're then we're dealing with something there. Problem is, uh, ah, here we go. Greek Dictionary of the New Testament. Hebrew and Aramaic Dictionary of the Old Testament. Beautiful. Is that on the screen? No. Okay. <laughs> he had the pondering the orb. <laughs> I know my Hebrew isn't good. I'm trying. Uh, okay, uh, what are we looking for? We're looking for R. We're in G right now. Still in G. Thoughts on that most recent uh, what was it? super chat there? What was it? Oh, good God. Why? <laughs> Just wanted to draw your attention to it. Okay, this is an extraordinarily confusing... Dictionary. Is this because the Hebrew alphabet is in a different orientation than the English? This is a reference to every time any one of these words is used, by the way. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it's a lot. There, there's so much here. Um, Alright, where's the Let's beginning of the Hebrew and Aramaic dictionary? Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, okay, that's ab... Ib. Uh, All right. Where is R? Can you look up what Rephaim in Hebrew would be? Yep. Sorry, you guys like totally threw me for a loop on this one, and I'm trying to. Uh, What's it look like? Uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible, as well as non-Jewish Asian texts of the region, the Northwest Semitic term ref, uh, rates of people of greater than average height and stature, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're descendants of the Nephilim. And also, I'm really struggling with uh, finding R in here. Where is the letter R? Like, What's it look like? Can you grab the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, starts with... I. Uh, Look up what that first letter is in Hebrew, because I don't know the names of any of the Hebrew letters. Okay, there you go. Make sure you get rid of the comma, too. Yep. Okay. Uh, letter edit. Um, final. M. Is that M? Okay. Looks like it. That tells us where to go. Um, uh, Formation of. Uh, that's something. Uh, um, look, you know, just look up definition of Rephaim. Uh, is ancient giants reported in the Old Testament to have flourished in Canaan and is its vicinity prior to the Hebrews? Yeah, it doesn't seem... I'm not seeing anything connecting these to the Nephilim. Do you see anything connecting this to the Nephilim? 
No. Class, why are you connecting this to the Nephilim? Maybe that'll give me the right spot to search for. I think mainly, probably just the Giants element. Maybe. I could be wrong, but... Uh... I'm trying to find it in here, but I'm not going to lie. I'm struggling. Um... Oh, I'm stupid. What? Hebrew's written right to left. Yeah. Yeah, we took the wrong first letter. We took oh, the right. last uh, letter. Yeah, you want to grab the first letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hang on. Uh, there you go. Just, just up there. Um, no, no, okay. The, okay, just... There you go. It's that first one. Yep, yep. Yeah, what's that? Resh. Okay. Twelfth, uh, the twentieth letter. So the question is why? Why is this not going in alphabetical order then, or is it in the alphabetical order of the Hebrew? Like this is so confusing. Rech. Okay. Oh, oh. I got to Ari. We're there. I got to Ari. Rechem. Rechem. Racham. Tet. Can you pull up the full word for me? Yep. Oh, God. Are you, what are you used to using a Mac or something? Uh, that and also it's just used to using like a mouse. That second one. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like an upside down back or a G that was rotated 180 yeah, degrees with a triangle uh, underneath it. Yeah, shrink shot, da 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 Oh, hang on, wait, wait, wait. What? Nah, it's going off right now. What's she saying? Oh my god, Mattis. Oh, I think she's just insulting you in Hebrew. Well, you want to tell me? Do you know the definition of the word? Uh, RFU, I don't know how to pronounce it, is strength slash healing. Brennan is saying it relates back to Genesis 14.5. Yeah, we looked at that, but that's still... The, I'm looking for the connection with Nephilim here. She's saying it so it can be interpreted as strong people. Okay, so... I So the... Is there anything in the Tanakh or the New Testament that relates this to the Nephilim? Plaz, if you're if you're still there, uh, it totally threw me for a loop here. Like, I hadn't thought about this at all. I had just thought about them as other giants, <laughs> same way as I thought about Goliath. Uh, Plaz said there was something I think in Numbers thirteen thirty three. Rafa and Anak were related, and Numbers thirteen thirty three says we saw the Nephilim, the descendants. Uh, Okay. All right. Um, I don't want to speak on that. I think that one's the faulty report. But I might not be sure. What faulty I'll report? address this on Thursday. <laughs> I need more time to read through my many Bibles. Also, uh, Brandon is saying, also need to consider the massive geographical significance. Bashan Gateway to Underworld and Mount Hermon associated with Falling Watchers. Enoch 616. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will dig into that, but I'm going to need to do some reading before I can properly answer that question. Yep. This is definitely a, a Thursday. Yeah, I thing. thought this could be something as simple as looking at the translations, but no, this is not something as simple as looking at the so, translations. I'm just curious in terms of the faulty report and why you said, oh, in terms of the numbers 13 or that's, three that's, that's the faulty report. One. But what, um, what is the faulty report? In numbers, there's basically a section where they send off scouts and the scouts come back and they're wrong. It's that's that simple. 
Got no, it's it. not. A, it's not a huge deal. It's just. It. Um, so it's not a fault. It was. It was, Bible. it was Isaiah who was the one telling me. No, it's not the Bible was wrong. It's that the people in the Bible were wrong. Got it. About what they saw. Got it. Um, but I have to make sure I'm looking at the same thing. So uh, I will give you a more. Um, In-depth answer to that on Thursday. Can you click on JewishVirtualLibrary.org uh, right there? I want to see what it says. Um, the Rephaim are known from biblical, Ugaritic, and Phoenician sources. Uh, in the Bible, uses of the term are discernible. So here's the thing, though. This would also this would be saying that the flood didn't actually kill everyone because how would these people descend from Noah? Um, <clears throat> Gentilic, referring to people to serious by their enormous stature. Um, referred to as giants and titans in the Septuagint. And the second use, Rephaim, designates shades or spirits. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, this is one I'm going to have to do a lot of looking into. Um, Plaz said this. most of this is from the interpretation of Brian Godawa. And then Nat was saying, also look at uh, Sephariah. All right, I will. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that was a nice little rabbit hole to finish this off. Um, they thought the Giants built the massive fortifications they saw. Okay, got it. Yeah, I, I'm careful with anything extra biblical for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm going to look more deeply into this and see what I come up with. I uh, also talked to Isaiah about it. And since this is the period we're talking about on Thursday, it works. It works perfectly. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, on on Thursday, come on back. Should be fun. Yeah, but I'm excited for everyone who watched. Thank you, and for everyone who super chatted. Thank you so, uh, a second time. You are keeping us afloat. Yes, uh, very, much so. very much so. I will get to work designing those cocktails. Yes. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, did you see Christian say he wanted his to be a whiskey sour? That does not surprise me. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you guys all so much for watching. And we will see you, well, come back on Friday. Because, of course, we've got our video on Annabelle coming. Or yes. Not Annabelle. On Heaven's Gate coming. Um, oh, boy, do we have a video coming. He's got a lot of editing to do, and I've got a lot of images to find. Yes. <laughs> um, That'll be fun. Do the video. And then we'll see and what then we want to put. Yeah. I, tell me, and then I'll... I'll do. The, I'll upload it. And then yeah, we'll take I'll, a look. yeah. Don't even up. Just, just let me know how long it is. Oh, yeah. And then I'll be yeah, like, okay, we need to image every this many times. Yeah. Um, I'll find, I'll go through my notes and be like, all right, for this, for this, for this. For yeah, this. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll send you those with the way I've been doing it. Yeah. Um, but all right. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you on Sunday.